0: All right, so if you're new with us, we're right in the middle of a, a fall series that we are very excited about. Uh, it is called The Foundations of Discipleship in Community, and it's really about some of the core practices that bring life in following Jesus. The first few weeks were all about the gospel. And now we're looking at a rhythm in creation that's really about sustainable power. It's really about how do we not walk through life and just get nailed with the status quo of the cultural pressures that lead us to exhaustion and burnout. Believe it or not, God built a rhythm into creation that helps us have sustainable fruit, sustainable power. If you weren't with us last week, let me just encourage you to jump on to weareelevation.com, listen to the podcast, or watch the video about Genesis 1 and 2. There is a phenomenally life-giving truth. It's a blessing from God. He created an order of life where humanity, in our first day of life on earth, was given as a gift a Sabbath rest to be with God. To enjoy God's presence, to get filled up, and then go out and fulfill the, the commission, if you will, that we were given in Genesis 1, which is created in his image and likeness, to therefore go out and fill the earth, to rule, to create, to multiply, to produce, to have dominion. Those are all things that reflect the goodness of God where we get to produce, we get to advance his kingdom even way back then. That was the job of humanity. But the key thing to see is that life begins with communion with God. It begins with communion and then we go out and work and produce. And there's a visual if you're a visual learner, there's a we believe a great tool that our mentor Mike Breen taught us that puts this biblical created order and rhythm into a picture to help us remember. And it's basically a pendulum swinging is the idea, and that we are created by God as humans in the created order to start life from that place of Sabbath rest, from that place of communing with God, being with God, being filled up by God and in his presence, we then, we the pendulum, swing out into a week of work, and productivity, and creativity, and multiplication, and the rhythm is, and then you swing back to that place of Sabbath rest, and then back out into work and productivity, and that that is an absolutely God-designed, created order, a rhythm of life, and so that is something that has incredible practical applications because all of us probably in, in our culture and in our strengths and weaknesses tend towards one or the other. We might tend towards the, the workaholism that just says, go, 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 produce, produce, produce. It's never enough. Sleep when you're dead. Burnout. Who, what's that? Exhaustion. What's that? Stinky fruit. What's that? Well, ask your wife. You know, like, But it's just a go, go, go mentality that disconnects us from the created order and starts us living on our own strength, for our own glory, our own agenda. And then on the other extreme, it's those who may just say, you know, it's all about, I'm gonna rest and abide and, and play and, and get filled up and I'm never gonna go out and do anything productive in my life. That's just as unbiblical. The way the Bible describes it, and we're gonna see it in Jesus right now, is that there is a rhythm of created order. Life starts... With dependence on God, communing with God, being filled up by God in his presence, and then it's meant to go out and overflow into that God-designed creativity, productivity that reflects his likeness to the world. But we're meant to stay dependent because we don't just do that forever. It's not a one-time fill-up. It's a rhythm of life where our dependence is recognized. And so that's a, a, a rhythm there. Seen in that picture, the pendulum from Sabbath rest to productive fruitfulness and work, and then back again. But what we want to emphasize today in the life of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, is that this is not simply about a weekly rhythm, but this really is about an entire way of life that gets employed, sure, on the weekly basis, but on the seasonal basis, as well as the daily basis, as well as the, in a way, moment-by-moment basis. And so let's dig into the teaching and life of Jesus as our authoritative example, model, and everything good. (laughs) John 15 is our main passage for today. 15, 1 to 5 is where we'll, we'll start. And so, this is that same rhythm of life that's in creation. We'll see it taught by Jesus. So, be thinking about that pendulum, that swinging from that starting place of Sabbath rest out into productivity, and then back again into Sabbath rest, and then out again, a rhythm of life. Yes.
1: I actually would like to add something that helps me with that visualization. I like to picture the pendulum, you know, when it's pulled back, resting and abiding in God, you're getting filled up and there's a weight. There's a weight that fills it and that weight pushes it forward and moves it out. And then, you know, you're, you're filling up and there's a weight in you. Of His presence, there's an abiding. There's a there's a place where you're coming into the refuge of His presence, and you're getting filled up so that you are a you are that John seven verse, getting filled to overflow of the Holy Spirit, and then the weight pulls the pendulum out, where we are, you know, working, producing, uh, on mission with God, and that I, I like to picture with that there's a release and there's an outpouring, there's a flowing out of what he's put back into you. And then when you think about it, just, I mean, even that picture, then all of a sudden you lose that weight and you're very light and you just kind of swing back to get filled up again. So for me, that's a very tangible way that helps me to connect with the pendulum in just the abiding and the resting place of God and really just the healthy rhythms of life, of being filled and pouring out and being filled and pouring out and being filled and pouring out that we're not, he doesn't want us and we're not meant to be living a life where we're just drained, where we're pouring out when we're empty. And yeah, we'll we'll get into the day by day, minute by minute. Um, But yeah, this is definitely a lifestyle.
0: You know, it's really cool about the weight picture that you just had that we hadn't talked about ahead of time.
1: The Holy Spirit just gave it to me, and I'm gonna
0: <laughs> I'm gonna affirm it and bless it. Is that the word for God's glory in the Old Testament is kabod or kavod, which literally means weight? So the whole, in some sense, the whole idea of the Old Testament is getting into the glory of God, getting into the presence of God, getting into that glory where you encounter Him. And encounter him is it is literally the word is wait, and so that's perfect. So, good job, Holy somebody Spirit. over Holy there. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the way you talk too. It makes it sound so like gentle, flowing in the rhythms of his grace. Really, seriously. So good, good work. Okay, I was like, you should have done that intro. No, it's good teamwork. Cause I was like, man, mine was a little bit more like, yeah you're like, I want, I want to feel that <laughs> more than what I just said. Anyways, teamwork makes a dream work. John 15, 1 to 5. Did you bring this for me for a reason? Oh, no, I'm good. Thank you. John 15, here we go. Jesus is teaching the rhythm of life. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch, so you want to be this one, that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Man, so much that Jesus is able to pack into uh, just a few verses here. Abide. It's not a word we use a whole lot in our vernacular, but it simply means to dwell, to live, to remain, to stay with, to be with. And so Jesus is painting a very simple picture. So this is, you know, we, we use those visual images sometimes. I mean, oh my gosh, it's a shape. It must be of the cult. No, it's a visual picture to remember something. That's exactly what Jesus is doing. With a vine and a branch, he's saying, hey, remember this spiritual truth by this picture that's in your head. I am the vine. You are the branch. If you abide in me, you will bear great fruit. So it's this picture. And and then he goes on to say something that is humbling. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's something to wrestle with right there. Like, stare at those words and check your heart. Do you actually believe that? Do you live that? Jesus says it twice. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Jesus just said you can't bear fruit by yourself unless you abide in the vine. I am the vine, he says. I'm the source of life. You are the branches. You are the recipient of that life. And then fruit comes through you. You're not the source of it. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is the one that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So in a sense, that the starting place is, there's a humility there. It's interesting. We're talking about the fear of the Lord. Is the beginning of wisdom, the reverence for God. That's a, that's a heart bowed down in humility saying the starting place of life is a reverence of God. That's a very similar idea here to just wrestle through. I mean, put that words of pra- those words of Jesus into your life. Do I really believe that? As I go out throughout my day and I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this, am I deeply aware like a branch connected to the vine that apart from him, I can do nothing that's that's no joke right there i mean that is if we are honest about ourselves if we're allowing this to be a, a kairos moment where we make sober observations about our own life it's actually really hard to do that it's very easy to just if you got a certain level of intellect or strength or opportunity or inheritance or whatever education whatever it might be it's very easy To just go out and do. Oh, I'm good at that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Oh, I've had success with that. I'm going to do that more. And what does all that mean under that rubric of Jesus saying, careful, if it's not coming from an abiding in me, it's nothing. You're going to do nothing of lasting kingdom fruit. So it starts with like a humbling, sober, very much like the created order were made for that Sabbath starting point. Even though God gave us so much divine purpose in be created, being created in his image and likeness to go out and be like him in the world, be fruitful, multiply, produce, create, rule, rule. There's, that's the, the, the God-given purpose that we all have, but there's the humble starting place. But, he says, it starts with that Sabbath rest. And you need to come back to it regularly. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. The reverence of God is the beginning. And when we're willing to humble ourselves before God and say, I need you, I am dependent upon you, okay, I give up, I mean, that's kind of the gospel anyways, right? This is, this is all, Jesus is always preaching the gospel. <laughs> Isn't this the gospel? When we are sick and tired of doing it on our own strength and for our own glory and for our own purposes and our own timing and our own agenda and we've come to the end of that and we say, wait a second, <laughs> I need a savior. Jesus is like, yeah, the kingdom of God is at hand. So repent and believe. And that repentance right here is that we are dependent on Him. That's the, the renewal of our mind, is that we are the vine. Excuse me. He is the vine. We are the branches. And we're made, we're created to just live in Him, abide, be with Him. Communion with God, it's the same message as creation and Sabbath. Communion with God, being with Him, dwelling in His presence is the starting place of life. It's the the branch in the vine. It's it's that dependent of a relationship. We, We never become our own vine. We're always the branch. So it's this picture that Jesus wants us to see of truly utter dependence. We're always the creation We're always dependent on our Creator, always dependent on our Savior to live with Him, to dwell with Him, to be filled up by the weight of His goodness and glory and presence. And what happens when we do, now Jesus gets to the good news, is that you will grow and you will bear much fruit. He even goes on to say in verse 8 something wild. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. By this My father is glorified. The glory of God is revealed in your life because you produce so much fruit, so much kingdom fruit, so much miraculous fruit, so much powerful fruit that people look at your life and they're like, I guarantee he's got a secret going on. That's no way just him. It's gotta be God. He's he's gotta have a secret power source. She's got to have that secret power source because wow, what's coming out of her life is so beautiful and powerful. There's lots of good news in there. Jesus is saying God's will for your life is that you bear so much good fruit, people have no other way to explain your life than to say God's with that person. So this isn't a little bit of fruit we're talking about. This isn't like God's like miserly here, like oh, stay connected to me, and then you know, like maybe once in a while in your life you squeeze out like you know a tiny little raisin or something. It's like no. Did that not that not work? We should talk through that one. There we go. All right. You are made for great <laughs> amounts of fruit. Well, you know, you you got to write a better script for me. Okay, get back to Jesus. An abundance of fruit is God's will for all of our life. That is good news. As we abide in God, he brings us alive to grow and bear sweet, beautiful kingdom fruit. That is God's will for
1: us. And I would like to add that our identity is not found in the fruit in what we are producing and doing. Our identity is not found in the ministry that we're doing. Our identity and security is found in being rooted in him and being a child of God. And um, I just kind of felt led to share a little bit of uh, my oldest son's testimony. He had a horrible neck injury uh, from football in high school And he was a straight-A student, over a straight-A student. And he was involved in everything. And, you know, he he was just an amazing kid. And uh, just he loved who God made him to be, doing great at all these things, loving on people, being active in so many things. And he was in so much excruciating pain after the neck injury that he couldn't go to school. He couldn't even sit to get his work done. He couldn't even look at a computer. Um, his grades just plummeted from you know above straight A's to scarcely and barely passing, mostly because his teachers loved him and knew how what a hard worker he was, and he was just utterly physically incapacitated because of this neck injury. And there was this season where he realized, and I think all of us would realize this if our fruit is taken away, that there's a degree that we find our value and identity in that. And completeness in that and there's healthy things about that because you know the things that we produce and that the the, thing, the way that God has anointed us to bless the world is truly a part of who we are it's meant to pour out of who he created us to be but there is a source of our security our well-being our value what we're, what, how, how we feel valued, and that is to be rooted in our identity in Him. It's never supposed to be rooted in the fruit that comes out of us. And that, I feel like that's a, that's a marker point. So if we are ever, you know, like my son, have things taken away, not in ministry, not doing the things that we're meant to do, and we feel a sense of loss and that that we don't have the value that we're meant to have, that I feel is an encouragement from the Holy Spirit to press in and to find that value, to find that identity to find that we are just a beloved child, loved and so precious for who we are, not because of what we produce, not because of the fruit that we produce. And my son learned that lesson in an incredibly deep way because he didn't have anything anymore that he felt gave him value And importance, and they were all good things. They were beautiful things. Missions trips and straight A's. I mean, working hard and carrying loads for people. He loved to help people, and he was in so much pain that he couldn't carry a thing. But he—he is the Lord is healing him, and his neck is just doing amazing. Um, And but he discovered a richness in almost, you could say, the barrenness of not having the fruit and the lush soil. And those roots of his grew so deep to where, and they stay with him now as he's older, they stay with him to where he's got this forever connection to Jesus, where he's getting his identity. And not that there's you know, there's always deeper and deeper still. In fact, we revisited this very subject with him this week, you know, with some work issues and, and finding his identity. But I just want to throw that out there, that, that our fruit should never dictate our value. What we're doing and our purpose should never dictate our value. And is it, if it does, it's just a beckoning from our wonderful, Father to come and get filled up with that love and only with that love so that we can be complete and lacking in nothing before we go out and are fruitful.
0: Yeah, that's just a great word because the reality is what keeps us at times from having internal permission to rest and abide is when our identity is in what we produce. So we feel like, oh, I just have to keep producing, producing, producing. I don't have permission to rest because my identity is I got to do this. And when we learn what she's talking about, that our identity is not in our performance, then that helps to bring that allowed permission to rest, abide, be pruned, and not be in a season of great productivity. Because that's not where our identity is found. Yeah.
1: I want to add the word recognized to that. I feel like that's a big one. When we're not recognized for our fruit, find that completeness in God. We're not meant to feel, we're not meant to be blown around by the winds of people's opinions or how much they look to us or value us. And this, the funny thing is, is this is coming out of exact discipleship that we've been walking through with our son, you know, this last, these last couple of weeks and the being recognized. I think that is, that's another word that we can just keep in our mental vocabulary as just a checkpoint. Am I getting filled up by being recognized or am I feeling a lack of worth because I'm not being recognized. And that's just ding, 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 ding. That's the Holy Spirit radar. Come and fill up in me. Come and fill up with me. My child, let me fill you with, my, with all the love and value that I have for you.
0: Amen. So we're, we are kind of jumped into some of the practicals. So let me real quick take us to that rhythm that we see in Jesus in John 5, where he, 15, where he's talking about this abiding that, that bears fruit, but then the rhythm comes in when he says, for the ones who bear fruit, John 15, 2, every branch that does bear fruit, which remember, it's going to be a lot of fruit, it's to the Father's glory, it's going to be so much that people look at your life and they're like, wow, God's with that person doing great things. But listen to this, every branch that does bear fruit, God prunes. So there's the pruning back so that it may bear, bear more fruit, ultimately. But when you first get pruned, you're, you're bearing no fruit. Like, I hate pruning my flowers. I hate it, because I don't trust the process. I'm like, oh, it's got, it's got some flowers right now. And, they're, you know, the branches are getting kind of long and, and, and spindly and thin, and so I can see it. I'm like, oh, I know you need to be pruned, but it's like these are my hibiscus flowers. They're like, my, you know, the, the joy of my crown jewel in the garden. And it's like, I love these hibiscus flowers, and I'm, I'm seeing the branches go, get thinner and longer and less leaves on them, and I'm like, I know as a good vine dresser I'm supposed to prune you way back. I'm like, but it's eking out these tiny little flowers still. I can't do it. Bad gardener. <laughs> like... God's saying, when you bear fruit, that's good. But I've created you to be dependent on me. So for your own good, you need to learn how to be pruned. Yeah. And what, what's he talking about? The picture is the pruning is abiding. So it's, it's what we're talking about here. Don't just think you need to go out and bear fruit for the rest of your life. No. There's rhythms. You bear fruit, you come back, and, and you, get, you prune back so that you can abide. So that you can get back to that source of life and nutrients and grow strong again, get filled up, and go bear more fruit, Jesus says. But that's where we got to watch out for that tendency to just keep bearing more fruit. No, Jesus says the best thing is to allow yourself to be pruned. And, and here's something to contemplate. I think you can self-prune or God could be like, fine. <laughs> I, I got to prune you back a little bit here. And you can he, loudly show you by, hey, look, at the fruit is not good in your life. You really need to prune back. So I think there's a preemptive way where we can start stewarding well our own lives by building in the rhythms that he's called us to of the daily, weekly, seasonal Sabbath times to where we're living in that abiding, resting, bearing fruit, prune back before it just has to crash down and a big pruning takes place where you just have to stop all activities and ministries and productivity because you need some major, you know, deep healing, abiding, renewal. So it's much better to live in a rhythm. So what I just described is that picture up there. Abide, rest, it's the same exact picture of the created order of Sabbath, Life starts with Sabbath and rest and abiding. It's all the same picture of being with God, communing with God, seeking intimacy in God's presence. And from that, we grow, we produce fruit, we work, we're creative, we're fruitful, and then we come back, prune back, rest, abide, Sabbath. And so both Genesis 1 and John 15... I believe, we believe, paint this exact same picture of God's gracious created order. Let's go now to Jesus and how he models this in some very practical ways. He lived out this rhythm of the created order and the abiding. In Mark 1:35 to 39, it says that very early in the morning, while it was dark, Out demons. And then a second and parallel passage, what's happening there in Mark 1, if you read a greater level of the context, is essentially a a revival's breaking out where Jesus is at. So, you know, they spend the night there. And in the morning, just think about what's the expectation? If revival's breaking out, you know, and you have a late night service and of the parties, the Holy Spirit parties happening and you finally go to bed, what's the expectation? Well, you come back the next day and keep the revival going. But what does Jesus do? He, first of all, goes alone to be with the Father, and then when his disciples find him, he leaves the town and goes somewhere else. It's like, what? Both of those things are a little weird. Why aren't you seizing the moment, Jesus? There's some good ministry for you to do right here. And then we see a very similar picture in Luke 5, 15 and 16. It says the news about Jesus spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. So it's a very similar picture as, as Mark 1, where wherever you know Jesus is going, revival's breaking out, the Spirit of God is on the move. People are hungry. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. People are getting delivered. That's a good thing, right? So you imagine Jesus should just set up shop, kind of, you know, grow, grow, grow it until it can't grow, right? But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The juxtaposition of those two sentences is meant to kind of pop you. A revival's breaking out. But Jesus left to go pray. That's in both of those passages. The Holy Spirit is trying to show us something. Not even Jesus lived under the obligation of good ministry needs. Jesus walked away from real needs at times, Jesus walked away from good opportunities. To be alone with the Father, to abide, to rest in God's presence, to get filled up. And if there's any question about what he's doing, Jesus said it like this in John 5, 19. Truly, truly, I mean, because some of us, we're like, all right, does Jesus really, does Jesus have to abide? Does he really have to abide? Can't he just go and keep producing fruit, producing fruit, producing fruit? Remember what Jesus said in John 5 or 15, right? Apart from me, Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. We kind of get that. Okay, we're human. One of the coolest things Jesus ever says, modeling the fullness of humanity for us, is John 5, 19. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing on his own accord but only what he sees the Father doing. So in Jesus' humanity, he describes a similar dependence on the Father. The Son can do nothing on his own, only what he sees the Father doing. So there is a partnership, there is a dependence, there is an abiding that Jesus has while on earth, as the Son of Man in the fullness of humanity, modeling for us this abiding, resting. And that's what he's doing. The Bible even says it when he he says no to good things, which is something that all of us have got to learn if we're going to learn how to abide, to say no to good things. When Jesus models saying no to good things, what is he doing? It's specifically to get alone and be with the Father, to abide, to rest in God's presence to do the very thing that he calls us to do, to prune back from even good activities to be alone with the Father, to commune with God, to get filled up with the weight of God's glory, and then at the right time, go back out again and pass on the fruit of God's presence. So one of the biggest questions we face in life is do we have permission to say no to good things? Jesus gives it to you. Jesus gives it to you in his own life example. If even Jesus has permission to walk away from good things in order to abide, how much more do we? And if even Jesus needs to live a, and model for us a life of abiding and resting in God's presence in order to bear good fruit, how much more do we? But for us, this is gold right here, that we have permission in, the, in not only the teaching but the modeling of Jesus himself to say no to good things in order to abide. That will save your life that will literally save your life from exhaustion and burnout and just the never-ending rat race of go, 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 that ultimately, according to Jesus, doesn't produce lasting kingdom fruit anyway. So this rhythm of grace that Don beautifully spoke of in the beginning, it's a rhythm of grace where we have permission to recognize our dependence on God Say no to good things in order to abide. And so life really becomes about the question of listening to the Holy Spirit like Jesus did, saying, I only do what I see the Father doing. So into our life then, it becomes very practical. How are we living out this semicircle rhythm of both abiding and producing fruit? And once we have permission, that frees us up, but then it becomes really practical about what does abiding look like for you? And then it gets really fun because you are a unique creation of God. Just like we watch all the time having three boys, it's shocking how unique they are. Growing up in the same household with the same parents and the same values, seeing their little personalities and passion be so incredibly different is a a great, you know, humbling experience as parents, but it's a joyful thing to watch of how beautiful and creative God is. Well, multiply that by 7 billion, every person on the planet has a unique set of personality, gifts, wiring, passion, calling. And so the way that you are going to abide and be refreshed in God's presence is a little bit different from everyone around you. And so part of the fun adventure as God's child, as God's beloved child who calls you to live in this rhythm of grace, of abiding and resting, is get to know how God made you. You matter to God. You have permission to rest from Jesus. So this is a healthy, God-honoring exploration to take time and try different ways, experiment with the different ways and the practices, those spiritual disciplines and those holy practices that help you get refreshed in God's presence. And and let's make sure we don't live in a legalistic world that says the only way to do that is to read the Bible. (laughs) No, that's an awesome, beautiful way, but being physical with your body and getting out and moving and touching the sand on the beach and taking a dive in the ocean and maybe going on a wakeboard. Like I know for me, that is a holy, sacred activity. You gotta find yours. My dad went last weekend with Brad out to the races where they race cars and it's a holy and sacred weekend for them of abiding, getting filled up, feeling that thrill and exhilaration and childlike joy. One of the big indicators to me that you're abiding well is you know how to play well. There's a high childlike play that is our destiny in heaven. And so to do that well, like what makes you chuckle like a little kid? Is it getting out and playing a little basketball? Is it, is it doing some you know exercise of some fashion? Is it playing with your kids in a certain way? What is it that there's those things that like this kind of childlike joy comes out? For me, like the opportunity to be with, you know hang out with my parents and go wakeboarding once in a while, I'm like just a little kid back there. Childlike joy, refreshed, filled up, and I've got a green light from my wife. Go as often as you want. Why? Because she knows I come back filled up with good stuff. And that gets into the the reality of when you live with other people, spouses, or kids, a huge question is, check this out, how can you become their advocate for abiding? Because it's going to make your life better. This was a source of conflict at the beginning of marriage. You know, it's like we're, as we're trying to work out different things and learn different things. And it's like, you know, it's like, oh, we just want to be together all the time. It's like, well, you know, I, hey, the guys are inviting me to go play basketball. Can I play basketball? Well, who knows you want to be with me? You know, it's like, yes. Not right now. <laughs> But seriously, but now it's like, I got the green light. Go play basketball. Go wakeboarding. And it's all rooted in this, working this out. How do we be each other's advocates? You want that girl time. You want that alone time. You want to go have this particular time. Like, go for it. Because I know that that's how God's wired you for abiding. And and, and you're going to come back with better fruit. Actually, It makes my life better and easier. So it's just a beautiful way that God works it all out. When we're each other's advocates, then we all are going to be producing better fruit. And life's better when the people that you live with are producing better fruit. And so there's, there's so many beautiful practical ways to, to, to think about these things. And one, one last one, and then have Don finish our time, is that given flowing in this idea of permission, we move into the, to the realm of, so what are the ways that you are abiding with God on the weekly. So there's your Sabbath, your Sabbath rest, which is more an extended time. Seasonally is a big one too. Like there are absolutely holy ways to, to take a week off and rest and be with family and friends and, and get filled up. It, it, it's, vacation is, can be an absolutely healthy, sacred thing. There are six or seven God-ordained festivals in the Jewish calendar where he says, take a year off, oh, not a year off. <laughs> he does, actually. That's the Sabbath day. Uh, we're coming up on that. We'll see you later in a year. Uh, <clears throat> take a week off and just celebrate me. Celebrate what I've done. Get the family together. Have feasts and parties and be full of gratitude for the way that I've worked in your life. So that's God commands that for his people. The whole Jewish people for thousands of years practiced these seasonal rhythms where they would take significant amounts of time off to abide, rest, and practice gratitude and worship. So there's seasonal, there's weekly, there's daily, there's, and that's where then moment by moment, and in the sense what we mean by that is you're made to live from a place of abiding with God, connected to God, and if you're not bearing good fruit, you're out of your created order. And so we take it as, so that's permission in the middle of the day. Like, here's the bottom line. If you're not producing good fruit, you're not doing anybody any good anyway. So why just keep pushing that? Take 10 minutes. Take 30 minutes. Take an hour. Abide with God. And so for us, it's, it's, this is about that holy permission where God wants that rhythm right there to be infused into our entire life from the kind of the hourly, the daily, the weekly, the seasonal basis because we're made to produce good fruit, but that good fruit only comes from true communing with God. So communing with God is like the default created position of life. So it's like there's, there's, <laughs> there's so much permission to go there. Be there, live there, live from there. And when you're not there, you don't need to feel guilty about that, about like, oh, well, should I take some time with God? Well, there's so many more important things to do. What? So you can keep producing bad fruit? No. (laughs) Your, Your permission is live into your created order, which is commune with God. Let that be your starting place, your living place where everything's coming from on the daily, the weekly, the seasonally. And then your life is gonna be so much more productive and fruitful to the point where people look at you and are like, wow, I think that guy, that, guy, that girl's life, that, they got God. Because there's some beautiful fruit coming. These are the rhythms of grace that we never get over. That's why we call this a foundational tool. No one in this room is ever gonna graduate beyond this tool. Because then you're living outside of your created order. <laughs> No one in this room is going to graduate to not needing to abide. Didn't Jesus make that clear? Apart from me, you can do nothing. So that's why this is foundational. This is a rhythm of life, of created order, that we will live forever. And there's great permission, grace, and freedom in it. Take us home. Hmm.
1: So it's all about the daily, moment by moment, ebb and flow of the Holy Spirit. You know that verse, can you go back to the end the of page? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. And then Jesus in John 20, 21 said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And then we have John 15, where he commands us to abide in him, because quite literally, apart from him, we can do nothing. And I'm going to tie in one of my favorite verses in Matthew 7. Sorry, he's laughing at me. Yeah. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father. is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name and then I will declare to them I never knew you. So doing the will of my Father is not doing all the signs and wonders and pouring out and doing all of the works if it's not Rooted and abiding in him. Connected to him. Moment by moment to where he is the one that we are filling up in. Like that pendulum, filling up and pouring out. Filling up and pouring out. And we have permission to rest because he's pretty clear. One, we don't want to be the people in Matthew 7. But we just, for our own well-being, we don't want to be disconnected from him. We don't want to be drained And lifeless, and as much as we have been living this out for many, many years, the Holy Spirit takes me deeper and deeper still in each of these things, and I've found myself this last week the Holy Spirit just really beckoning me to check in with Him about where is my gas tank, where is that level of my tank, you know, I'd get in the car, and it's like, oh, I need to Call my mom and check up on her, you know, help her, help her with different things. I need to call, you know, my sister and check up on her, or you know, call friends and friends that I feel that God has really, you know, connected me to and called me to keep a relationship where we we share how we're doing and we and we pray for one another and we support one another. But I'm always checking in because there are always good things to do, but what is the Holy Spirit doing? And where is my tank? And I so frequently, where it would just kind of be an automatic thing. Okay, you know, I have some time. I need to call my mom and just make sure she's okay. That's a good thing to take care of your mom. But I feel like the Holy Spirit has been really honing in with me to take me to a deeper level of being connected to his spirit. And the reality is that what he's saying to us is, trust me. I'm the source. Anytime we pull away from works that we really need to get done, whether it's the example I gave last week of this, you know, false charge on this credit card that I needed to take care of, and I needed to take care of it right away. And the Holy, I felt the Holy Spirit just saying, "I don't want you doing that today. I want you to abide and rest and be with your son, and I want you to enjoy this day, and I want you to trust me." that in the proper time, we're gonna, I'm going to take care of it, and you'll hold my hand, and we'll go on an adventure together when you make that phone call, and I'll lead you. But it's about trusting him that he is the source. Everything in life comes down to that, and that is also worship. That's how we're meant to live, whether it's tithing, whether it's taking a Sabbath, it's giving up things or pulling away from things that we think we need or need to do And it's trusting him, and it's also honoring him that he is the source, that he is the one, and that that he is the source of power moment by moment. And God gave me this funny picture. Yesterday, I was driving, and I talked to my mom, you know, the day before yesterday, and just checking up on her, helping her with some treatments. Um, She She's been diagnosed with leukemia, and we are just refusing that label, declaring daily in Jesus' name. She is healed. She is whole. There is not a trace of cancer in her body. But needless to say, I call her regularly to fight that battle and also to practically help her to walk out, you know, things to help her body to do, you know, practically just the food and Things like that in the, in the natural realm, which, you know, our bodies are our temples and we, God wants us to do our best to take care of them as well as to partner with him to just stand in agreement for our healing and for the finished work of the cross. But um, so yesterday, I, you know, in my head, it's like, oh, I need to call my mom. I need to take care of her. And there's just this, I care so much about her and there's a weight there and I just want to make sure she's okay. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just checked my heart and he said you need to fill up now on me. I don't want you doing that right now. And I want you to trust me that I'm gonna take care of her. And then he, I felt like he showed me this picture that if I were to you know, go and talk to her, have you done this, have you done this? You know, the reminders, have you done this? It would be, it was like me going into, I saw a picture of almost like a cluttered room and I was just kind of kicking stuff around. It was powerless. If I'm not operating in the Spirit, if I'm, not ab- if I'm not abiding in Him, if I'm not being filled by His Spirit, then what am I pouring out? It's, is it, it's wise and persuasive words, I'm just kicking a mess around instead of actually bringing the presence of God to move and to work. And He wants us to live in wonder and in freedom, not in striving. Wonder and freedom, not striving. So I just want to throw that out there as just a personal example from my life that this is so important that we learn to be filled, like John 7 talks about, with the Holy Spirit on a moment-by-moment basis. It's not just day-by-day, and it's also not just your set time where you get in the Word. That's incredibly important to get in the Word uh, every time I get really busy and just forget to sit down, there's always a lack of nourishment. There's always a lack of power, that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. There's also a lessening of, there, there's, a, there's a heightening of the movement of the Holy Spirit when I am plugged into the Word of God, because the Word of God is the sword of the Holy Spirit. And... um. But it's so important. We have those set times, but our life is to be operating in an ebb and flow of His Spirit. Yes, we've got to go do these tasks, we've got to go do this work. But when we have our downtime, where are we going? And that's, I, I will also pull, uh, throw out there the most toxic thing to do in our downtime all the time is screens. We're not connected to Him. We're constantly snacking, getting dopamine rushes. Even from texts, you get a dopamine rush. You can Google it. Ty, you know, uh, multi-million dollar tycoons that own, own technology businesses, they don't let their kids touch screens. It's so toxic for them to be overstimulated on iPads, on screens all day. And then it makes them have a, a glazedness and a, the brain, and, he, and adults too, it's not just kids, it's all, all brains. There's a, a shrinking, actually, of the brain, and, and, and a, it takes away our divine ability to connect to God in the presence, because we're always seeking a drug-like stimulation. Screens actually give stimulation. They give a dopamine hit like cocaine. Go read about it. It's completely legitimate. And just look at the kids nowadays. How long... How much time passes before they have to pick up a screen? It's toxic and it's holding them in captivity. And it's actually preventing us from living in that place of abiding in the presence of God. It is like a drug. It is every bit as potent as alcohol in the way that the Bible talks about alcohol. And it's something that we truly need to monitor so that we can live in a place of thriving and well-being the way that God intended. And lastly... I want to add that while it is so important to have our set times where we're reading and we're praying, make sure that we have those rhythms that fill us. We're getting filled with nutrients in ways that, that we connect with. My mom doesn't read well. The way her brain works, it's hard for her. She loves listening to the Bible. It, it just infiltrates her whole system when she does that. So find how you connect Get in the word, find how you connect, and don't feel condemnation if listening to the audio Bible is something that you connect with more and that fills you up more. Don't allow you know, ideas of what you should be doing. Just get the word of God in. Get the word of God in you. And then more than that, I would uh, wanna encourage everybody to make some bullet points, just asking the Holy Spirit, how do I fill up? What's a refuge for me? what brings life to me, and making time for those things. I just did a deep clean of our room, and I, you know, even the tops of the door, the tops of the doors and the tops of frames get so dirty. I mean, in the blinds, it's like once you start cleaning, you realize how filthy everything is, that you never notice, you know, the the, the baseboards, all the dust that they can collect, you know, and um, I made the, I made the room this gorgeous sanctuary. And I realized that for me, movement, you know, I love wakeboarding, I love sports. There's an exhilaration that fills us. And for me, movement and dance and things are just, they bring so much life to me. So it's not just isolated the ways that the church has always told you you're supposed to fill up, but there's ways that God has created each person individually where are it's, it's how we're wired. It's how we're made by God and we find life there. My oldest son, he loves fishing. <laughs> Just get him out on the boat and get him fishing. And he communes with the Holy Spirit in that way. You know, and for me, we got our, the room all cleaned up and I have these yoga mats out. And, and I do want to add yoga was initially invented um, uh, with the Hindu religion as a way of yoking spirits to yourself. But guess what? The devil doesn't own movements. So I'm not, you know, watching stuff that's inviting that kind of stuff. I actually, I've been doing it for so long that I kind of roll on my own. But for me, it's so life-giving to be doing those poses and to be breathing. And I just connect with God. And in that breath, it's in, in every breath, it's connect me to you. Connect me to you, And I'm doing lots of different movements that I've just kind of acquired over the years, you know, kind of rolling on my own. He does the same thing. We love to do it in the backyard, you know, Earthing. Um, touching your feet to the earth is incredibly powerful. Uh, it's completely scientific. Go watch the Earthing video. There is literally an energy that God put into the Earth. Fun fact. All of the electromagnetic frequencies, the 5G, the Wi-Fi, all the things that are actually literally terrible for your cells on a cellular level. Do you know that when you are not connected to the earth, your body is like an antenna picking up all those un- that unhealthy radiation that God never intended for our bodies and is extremely toxic? And the only reason why it's not well known in our nation is because our nation cares more about money than it does about people's health. There are places in Europe where they have banned these things because they care about people, not money. Anyways, that's a side note. Do you know that when you are touching, when your feet are touching the earth that God made, the earth that is good, do you know that that magnetic field from the earth's energy repels all that toxic garbage in our environment? Not only that, but the earth's energy and the frequencies that are emitted, which can be measured scientifically, this isn't some crazy voodoo thing, this is science and it is God and it is amazing how he made the earth and our bodies and how these things are so good. There, is, there are crazy amounts of anti-inflammatory energy, literally it, energy from the earth that do so many amazing things to your body. So that's a side note. My, my point... That's been a part of my discovery in doing things that fill me up. When I go out there and I do, you know, a mix of Pilates and yoga, lots of different things, and just dancing in my backyard and get sunshine, sunshine on your skin, God made sun and it's good for you in a healthy measure. Earthing is good for you. But these things fill me up. These things fill me with refreshment. They fill me with vitality. They're a place where I really get filled with worship as I'm taking care of my body. And, you know, sometimes you don't always feel like doing it. But it's the payoff. It's like you don't always feel like getting in your word. You don't always feel like doing these things. You don't always, you know, it's kind of like you don't always feel like eating nutritious food. But at the end of the week, you're going to feel what you ate or didn't eat, you know, So I want to leave us with that. There's a book called Sacred Pathways. I would encourage us to find out what our sacred pathways are, meaning the ways that we get filled up, refreshed, abide in God. For me, doing these things that I described to you, going to the beach is also a huge thing that I've realized. Every couple weeks, we just go to the beach. The Earth's magnetic energy is insanely high at the beach. It is one of the most healing places on the planet. No joke. Total science. That's not why I love it. I found that out afterwards. But that's maybe why I love it. (laughs) Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But everybody loves the ocean, right? Sacred pathways, though. There's nourishment that God God wants us to discover how we feel revitalized, how we feel replenished. For many of you, it's going to be playing your piano. It's going to be – there's so many different ways because he's wired us all so differently. But I would just encourage us to ask the Holy Spirit – What are these rhythms of life that you want me to walk in? What are the sacred pathways that you created me to be filled up by you that recharge me? How am I recharged? And make time for those things on a regular basis to fill up.
0: Amen. Let's pray. And just as you were saying all those things, it just reminds me back to John 15 where Jesus says God's will is that we bear great fruit. And so this is a very practical living out, putting into practice what does it look like to abide in the many different ways that we can in spaces and times of life. And it's all ultimately good fruit that God wants and it's for his glory. I need to add one thing.
1: (laughs) I realized I didn't explain the cleaning part. (laughs) I kind of went on a sidetrack because I was doing yoga in my room. I realized, the Holy Spirit showed me this week, that keeping our room pristine is also a sacred pathway. It's always, I'm just rushed, I have to run off to this church thing or, you know, the kids or whatever. And I realized that when I'm still and I'm breathing and I'm connecting with him, that having that beautiful environment actually brings a lot of life to me. And there are different seasons of life. We've been in seasons where because of health and because of children and because of just the workload that we're carrying, that's not an option, you know, to keep things immaculate like that. And so there are different seasons, but it's almost like an ebb ebb and flow of the spirit where I felt like this week he was saying, I want you to keep it this beautiful. So it, so it looks like, so, it, so it's life giving to you. And I noticed that when I sat there just connecting with God, just breathing, just connecting with his presence. You know, when I do the breath that they talk about, you know, in yoga, I'm connecting to his presence. I'm connecting to him. And that's where we should be connecting. It's never supposed to be to emptiness. Emptiness doesn't fill us with anything good. He does. So.
0: Amen. Lots of practicals. So, 20 years in the making. We could keep going, but we'll stop for today. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father. I will sing a new song. I will sing a new song. I will dance a new dance like David.